Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy is the new book by me, Nikita Banks, a licensed psychotherapist and life strategist. Leverage the knowledge you'll receive in this book to help you with the process of obtaining absolute clarity through the use of guided self-exploration. This process is necessary to help you master all your relationships in 2019 and beyond. Go on Amazon.com or BlackTherapistPodcast.com and grab your copy of the book guaranteed to help you redesign all your relationships based on two basic principles, health and happiness. Get your copy today. Welcome to the Black Therapist Podcast. The Black Therapist Podcast is the podcast where we discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. Now, if you are new to our show, I am your host, author, life strategist, and psychotherapist, Nikita Banks, in private practice in my hometown of Brooklyn, New York. I am available for both psychotherapy and coaching sessions, and you can find more information about that on my website, NikitaBanks.com. You can listen to our podcast everywhere podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, Pippa, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and BlackTherapistPodcast.com. If you are a mental health advocate or therapist and you want to buy our podcast merchandise, you can do so by visiting our site. And if you want access to our free mental health tips, free online trainings, discounted selective services, and resources, do so by joining our mailing list by texting "get happy" all one word to six six eight six six. If you love the podcast, please like, comment, and share. We love to hear from you. And if you want to send me some feedback, guest suggestions, or simply to say hey, you can contact us at our website, BlackTherapistPodcast.com. Please be mindful that this episode and all of the information that we provide here is just a resource and a tool to help get you started on your mental health journey. If you are feeling any mental health distress or you are having any significant issues, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can find you a mental health provider in your area. Okay, let's go. Hey guys. Oh my gosh, it is so great to be back. I hope you have missed me. I have missed you. There's been a lot going on in my life, in my business, and, uh, you know, just regular, schmegular, regular stuff. So I decided to learn, well, I recently went out for a new certification. So I took the gambling addiction specialist course, and that was a 60-hour course that, thank God, I passed the exam, and I was able to take. I had some classes that I was supposed to take at Columbia. So I'm just trying to advance my career. And it feels like it's education and education and more education. It's like, okay, I don't want to go to get my DSW right now. Going back to school to get my PhD is not something I I want. But school never stops if you're a clinician and you really want to stay up on your craft. And so recently, a lot of the challenges that I've had in the office have really been around working with my interns (laughs) and like navigating that whole thing. And I thank God that I've had supervisors who allowed me the, the time to be able to tap into them or, or reach, reach back to tap into them as resources to help me through being a supervisor. So 
uh, was it last either last year or the year before I, I got my SIFI. If you are licensed in New York as a clinician, then you know that SIFI is a certification in field uh, instruction. I always forget what S it's S I F I stands for, but basically what, what it is, is a specialized training for people who want to have interns, for people who want to be supervisors. So it really teaches you how to be the best supervisor. And, you know, it's been really challenging for a number of reasons. And so, yeah, I was driving along and I recorded, uh, something while I was driving I was paying attention guys don't 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 get mad at me but I recorded my thoughts in the moment because I felt like it was something necessary for people to hear students if you are out there and you are looking for an internship if you are first starting out on your social work journey I implore you to at least in the summer before you start to find yourself a really good therapist. If you are entering into a social work program or a counseling program, a LPC program, mental health program, whatever it is, find you a good therapist so that you could start pre-processing some of the issues that you have before you start your client work. Because what ends up happening is, and I hope once I edit in what I already pre-recorded, it doesn't sound redundant, but I can't I don't think I can ever say this enough. Once you start your field placement, it doesn't or or your practicum, whatever they call it at your school, it doesn't matter how much of a handle of your on your stuff you think you have, stuff is going to come up. And unfortunately for a lot of first year students, if you're entering into the field, no matter how long you've been a clinician, no matter how, you know, much you feel like you are ready for the world and ready to be a a therapist and have already tackled your traumas, working with clients will bring up all your stuff. And so, you know, just a little piece of advice that I give you and then we will get into this week's episode. Okay. So really excited about the things that I have coming up. I'm actually excited about this weekend, which is why the show is, is pre-recorded. It's not like the show's ever live, really, anyway. But, um, you know, I've lost a lot of people in my life recently. <sighs> Had two other people pass away this week. Shout out to Blake. Ah, I'm going to miss you. Uh, summers will not be the same with Blake. Every year we have like a, like a beach beach blanket bingo. Uh, we go to the, the beach every year and just hung out. We hang out all summer. And so to the prospect of having to spend this summer without my friend is really something that I, I, I can't even like process. It happened this week. And so, you know, if you guys are out there and you are mourning your friends and your families or not even mourning, like let's not even wait. Let's not wait until you're mourning somebody, but but please make sure that you are pouring into your friends and your family. I feel like God has been like really speaking to me since I lost my my aunt. I really just believed I had more time to spend with her. I think that we all feel like we have more time to spend with the people that we love. And you never know 
how much time you have. So after you finish listening to the rest of this podcast, you know, get up, get on the phone and call somebody that you love that's been on your mind. Actually, I'm going to take my own advice. I'm going to call a friend of mine. I haven't spoken to her since last year just because of a, not even a stupid disagreement. Like we, there's no real reason why we haven't really spoken outside of the fact that we haven't reached out to each other. Although I've kind of done a little bit more than she has, but I'm going to at least reach out this week because she's been on my mind and, um, I, I really love her grandmother. And so I was like going through like Christmas videos and stuff like that. Cause I've been editing a really fun project lately that I can talk about when it's finished. But um, I ran across a picture of her grandmother and it just made me like miss her more. And her grandmother's like 80 and, oh, you know, I, I don't want to miss a lot more days with my friends. So I'm going to reach out to her. And then I'm super duper 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 excited because I am actually spending the weekend um, this weekend with my grandmother's sisters. My grandmother passed away when I was six. And so um, if you know my family, then you know that I'm kind of not like I'm a grandma's girl, but I'm a grandma's girl by like default (laughs) because um, my mother's father passed away when she was young. And so I never had him, you know, as a granddad because he wasn't alive. And then my father's um, mother passed away when he was young. But I did have my my grandfather. Uh, Not really when I was younger. I don't think that I kind of understood the concept of like he was a grandfather. And I had, you know, my step step grandparents, which their my name is Banks and their name is Banks, so I don't even think I even understood that they were like not related to me. And <sighs> Mrs. Banks treated me like everything, so they really, really loved me and poured into me for um, the time that my my mother and my stepfather were together when I was younger. I don't think I told this story before, but but they dated when I was really young, and then like twenty years later, they ended up getting back together and got married. So. So yeah, there's, that's a thing. But my mother's mother, she passed away when I was six and my sister is kind of, was kind of her favorite, but I have like really fond memories of times that I could make her do what I wanted her to do. And that was mostly like turn on my sister <laughs> because I, I knew even though I was like young, I remember just like, oh, she's your favorite. And mm, I would like tell her stuff that my sister did to me. And like, I, I think I told this story before, like now as like an adult, I think my grandmother really just like pretended like she was beating my sister or like, you know, spanking my sister. Cause I don't remember there being any tears, but my sister also didn't cry when you spanked her anyway. She's mean like that. But yeah, I don't remember there being any real tears. And I, you know, as an adult, I don't think my mother, my grandmother would hit my sister, but she would punish her. I'm doing air quotes that you can't see. And so, you know, it made me excited when that would happen. But I'm going to see my grandmother's sisters. And I haven't seen one in at least six years, five or six years. I haven't seen her. Um, My Aunt Gladys, and it's her birthday 
So I'm really excited about that. And my family's like making a whole thing like, oh, my God, we're going to hide you. And I'm like, I'm really not a surprise. Like, I'm probably not a gift she wants <laughs> for, her, for her birthday. But I don't I don't want to put it off. It was like God was nagging me, nagging me, nagging me to go uh, go and see them. And, and my other aunt, Bertha, I haven't seen her since I was like, it's had to be at least 20 years. And I haven't been to my my grandmother's birthplace, which is Statesville, North Carolina. Um, and well, my grandfather lived there too, from my grandparents, his birthplace. I haven't been back to Statesville since I was nine years old. And so, you know, almost, you know, 30 years, I haven't been back. And so... I'm really emotional about going and I'm really excited about getting to see them because today I also found out that yesterday I lost uh, another aunt of mine and um, shout out to my aunt Christine. Uh, She and her, her sister and my mother's and my mother were best friends. She's not my blood aunt. But um, if it wasn't for her, my parents would not have met because they met at her house. And her her daughter was my really best friend in life. And uh, when she passed away, things had gotten a, a little tense between Aunt Christine and I, which I, I got because I cannot imagine losing your child. But um, I, I can't imagine what they are going through over there. And, uh, you know, we cannot keep waiting until there's a tragedy to come together. I'm so excited to be able to hug my aunts and see them while they're alive and go for a happy occasion and it not be anything else but just like me being able to see them and so if you have an elder in your life right now please reach out if you have a friend or family member that you haven't spoken to in a while if if the beef was petty and they didn't sleep with your man or steal your monies um you might want to let those things go because life is so precious and really really too short and I just got my lashes done so that I could go on this trip and now I'm crying so yeah we're gonna get into the show right now and I hope you enjoy this episode and I promise you now that uh oh I have two more trainings that I need to do in order to get the big bucks (laughs) and uh, as soon as those two trainings are finished I promise you I will be a lot more consistent with the shows but you guys have to be patient with me just a little bit because there's there's so much going on and I'm trying to do everything. And I'm hiring, finally, a virtual assistant. So that makes me really happy. And I've, I've been interviewing people to help me. Everything I do, I do myself, as you guys know. And so it's been a, a whole hell of a lot to get all of this stuff done doing it alone. But I don't have to do that anymore. So I'm really excited about being able to bring um, these my people on. And so, yeah, here's this week's episode. Okay? Okay. 
Y'all keep in mind that I was recording this as I was driving around because I was had stuff to do, but I didn't want another week to go by without a show. I'm going to try to edit the audio as best as I can to be clear, but I'm telling you, I'm dropping gems in this, <laughs> in this episode. If you are a, a social work student or a a mental health student, you might want to hear it. So I'm going to try to edit it to make it as clear as, as I can to get the background noise out. But you you may hear, you may hear some things while I'm doing that. All right? Be well. So I'm going to say something that's going to be unpopular at the end, but just stop here. Um, you know, as a clinician who works with vulnerable populations, right, in, in every area that I work in, setting that I work in, I work with vulnerable populations, and and the work that I do with the organizations that I work with, right, a lot of the times the clients that I'm seeing are black, Hispanic, you know, they may be, um, mandate, you know, there's already a challenge in working with those clients, because they already feel like, oh my God, thank you, the process is Not being in a situation where you are 
position of, of you know, being a subordinate to somebody who is a, a person of color, a woman of color, right? And dealing with a population of mostly people of color, it's a whole entire culture shock. And so even when I've had conversations with the schools about the work that I do, this usually comes up, and it ain't coming up for me, right? There's usually an instance where I have to say to some of the, the faculty and the staff at the colleges, like, yo, as a woman of color, you may, you and I both know that there are probably spaces where you're the only person who's a black woman or a Hispanic woman. There are not a lot of spaces that some of my students who come to me as interns are the only white person. What, what spaces are you as a white person where you are the only person? And in terms of like hierarchy, interns, the clinicians, LMSW, LPSW, LPSWR, you know, you're the lowest person on the totem pole, right? That's a culture shock. That's, that's, a, that's about addressing your privilege stuff. That stuff can't be done simultaneously while you're interacting with my clients. Because it puts my clients at risk in a way that makes me so uncomfortable and it makes me super protective of the clients who come into my space. So now as a as a as a field advisor, I have to hold a field supervisor, I have to hold space for my clients who are there who are just being introduced to the therapeutic experience. And I have to hold space for you know, this is power dynamic shift and, you know, diversity, racism, and oppression that comes up when you're in this situation. You know what I'm saying? Because our interns are sandwiched between society, the client, and myself. And, and whereas they look like an extension of the system because we're dealing with mandates, they oftentimes just don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. I think it's necessary that a lot more schools offer uh, intensive courses the summer before so that you are able and eligible to really truly work with your clients in, in a way that it, it, it promotes a safe space for my, my clients. And I'm finding with the need for that
discuss or discuss things. He actually uttered something like, oh, okay, if you want to work with women and their children, fuck the men. I guess the men will hear themselves. I don't know if that's exactly what he said, but that's how I said to you. What he said, right? And it took me aback, and it was just like, damn, I want to work with the, with the population that I am the most passionate about. But as a trained clinician now, who has worked with all kinds of clients, like clients who don't like bad people, I've, I've worked with racists, I've worked with not people who don't like bad people, I've worked with, you know, you know, misogynists, uh, child molesters, sex offenders, sex abuse victims, people who are, you know, schizophrenic, that's so gentle, effective, or over the place. Like, I've worked with these clients that I never thought that I've worked with. How come that is a three-year-old, right? Now that I'm at this place in the, in the field, I get it. I get it, what he was saying. What he was saying was, and I didn't get the job, obviously, but what he was saying was is that every single one of us, no matter what our problem, no matter what our predilection is, and no matter what the preference of the, the clinician is, should have an opportunity for healing and should have a safe space to explore the, the necessary skills that they need in order to thrive in life. And we all deserve that chance. We all deserve that opportunity. But I'm going to tell you, social work school, I'm always thinking about social work school, so I'm going to have social work but social work schools have to do a better job of preparing interns and students who come in to work with these populations, vulnerable populations, to make sure that they are going to be respectful and introspective enough to do this work in a way that does not damage the idea of the therapeutic alliance for people who are being first introduced to theirs, and that has to happen before they come into contact with my clients. That has to happen beforehand. I remember being an intern first day, like, okay, let's figure it out. I was given a TLC group, which is a treatment readiness group, to work with, with people who are severely, who have severe substance abuse. With my history of having all these family members of drug addiction who had my father who struggled with alcoholism and, you know, drug addiction for the majority of my life, right? I didn't want nothing to do with this kind of population. So I had all kind of biases. And I didn't have the life experience to know that at, at that point, that if you are a victim of trauma, you self-medicate. I didn't have the, the wherewithal at that point to know that crack or heroin or whatever was cheaper than value. Like, it's cheaper for me to go to the, the corner drug dealer than it is for me to find a good psychiatrist. The access. And so, when I started in that position with a, with a binder of Coursework on my desk, and I looked over this stuff and prepared for my group in 15 minutes. I was like, what in the hell did I get myself into? Had I had a conversation around 
person of color who had experienced racism, she she purposefully did that to diminish their experience. In a room full of white folks. Y'all know I was disgusted, right? Y'all know I was I was sitting to act a fool. So when my professor saw what, what the exchange was, that's when she came to me and we, we discussed it and I said, yo, I'm usually Usually, I could just let this roll off me, but she's in every single one of my classes, and she's fucking exhausting. And my professor said to me, Nikita, she's limited. And I said, I don't know what you're talking about, about limited. Like, I, just, I don't even think that's the word, the word that, that she used. I think she used the word challenge. I think she said, Nikita, she's challenged. And... I I didn't even hear what she was saying. I was like, man, you know, you know me, man. Forget all that. Could you switch my classes? Like I was at that point, like, yo, I I need my I need a class switch. And she was like, absolutely not. You are not to your classes switched. She looked at me and she said, Nikita, we all come to this work with our own special and unique challenges. And she said, and, and you're going to go into this work and you're going to enter this work and you're going to be asked to be compassionate for your clients. How can you do that for your clients if you can't do that for your coworkers? And I was like, this damn lady. This lady, I don't want to hear this mess. I want to jack her and tune her ass up. But it allowed me to see outside of myself. 
and it allowed me to see someone else's perspective, and it allowed me to acknowledge that I'm eligible and I'm able to come to this work with myself. And some days, myself is my best self, right? Where I feel good and I'm doing everything that I could possibly be doing to be healthy and eat healthy. Maybe I got a good night's sleep. Maybe I have no stressors. Maybe my bills are all paid on time, right? I got love in my life and everything is is healthy, Jory. But I'm also eligible to still show up for other people when I'm not at 100%. But some days I'm on 5%. And some days I'm struggling with my own personal issues and challenges and that I can still show up for people. And that was basically what I, what I got from the message that she told me. She told me that this girl probably had her own mental health challenges that she was dealing with and that she was healing. And it was up to me to be compassionate enough to meet her where she was so that when it is my turn as a clinician, I could do the same. I thank my teacher for that lesson, but I really truly wish that that lesson was taught universally in our program because more of us need to hear it and more of us need to know it before we step into a room with a client. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, you can follow us on all our social media sites at Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter, as well as Black in Therapy on Facebook. Or you can follow your host, me, Miss M-S-N-I-K-I, thanks, on Instagram and Twitter, as well as you can find out any information about me at Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A, banks.com, and on the show's website, Black Therapist podcast.com and don't forget if you want to send us any general feedback show suggestions uh, show topics or guest ideas please feel free to drop us an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com thank you be well